Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 32. Now I want to give a warning really quick that we're going to tackle some sensitive material. So if you've got young ones listening, maybe you're playing this podcast and your children are in the car or they're around. They're not old enough to tackle some very uh, complex issues when it comes to relationships. You may want to mute it for a second and listen to this later. So I just want to give you that heads up because I would want to know that if I had my children present. So we're going to tackle some things really head first that we, we need to talk about as Christians. We need to be honest about them. So we turn back to Romans chapter one. This is the end of the chapter This is the end of Paul's kind of opening salutation. Really, his salutation is now over, and he's really tackling some of the issues that are found in Roman culture. And right now, he's taking on paganism, those people who worship idols. In our reading yesterday, verse 23, it says, They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, and animals, and creeping things. So they are worshiping the created order. And Paul says, listen, if you, re- if you worship the created order and not your creator, it's going to lead to massive consequences. You're going to have a lot of changes in society. They're not going to be good. Now, some people would note that Paul takes the gloves off on pagan society. And everything he says about pagan society is true. He is bearing truthful witness about the depravity of a lot of paganism in the first century. But there were some positives, and he'll get to that later, some positives of pagan culture. Just look at the frescoes that were found in Pompeii near Mount Vesuvius and you would realize the decadence of of Roman culture. So there was a lot of sexual perversion in the first century, things that were just not really on the up and up. Now, we really can't talk because in modern America, after the sexual revolution, we have no room to talk uh, because of the moral depravity of our own culture. But I want to turn to our reading and, and you'll see where the controversy arises in this passage when it comes to the 21st century. So let's start. This is verse 24. We're going to go through verse 32. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. They were gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but gave or give approval to those who practice them. So as you back up, you realize, okay, these people were worshiping the created order, and there was a a phrase used uh, back in the early church, lex arenda, lex credenda. Literally, the law of worship is the law of belief. If I worship certain things, it's going to shape my belief system. And that is so true. C.S. Lewis was brilliant with this. Uh, the idea of how you worship will shape your belief system. Also, the habits you practice 
will shape your heart and your beliefs. Lewis once said, if you can't love your enemy, if you say, okay, it's impossible, I can't do that, start doing kind things for your enemy and you'll find that your heart will follow. So there is much truth to this. If you worship the created order, now in modern America, this would be worshiping materialism, worshiping stuff, you know, saying there is no God and saying science has all the answers for all my life. There is no God. You will become like the created order. You will. It will lead you to really a, a messed up way of thinking. He says even your mind becomes warped. You can't even think straight. An example to me would be a guy as brilliant as is Francis Crick. You know, Francis Crick was one of the guys that helped find the structure of DNA. And Francis Crick, when he was asked, well, how did complex life get here on earth? I mean, it just seems like an, an intelligent designer's behind, you know, genetic material. And he said, well, you know what? It must be an alien life form of some kind, seeded life on earth. And you think, okay, that, that's just ridiculous. But that is what this leads to, just a crazy way of thinking. But the one elephant in the room we need to talk about that's brought up here is homosexuality same-sex attraction. And I think as a church, number one, we need to repent for how we've treated people with same-sex attraction. And here's what I mean by that, is we have had a double standard for those kinds of people that are struggling with that. Now, there are people among us that, that deal with that attraction, and they are struggling greatly with it. And what we've done, we've been bigoted toward them. We have no empathy for them. We have no real care for that struggle that they have. And what we've done is we've turned a blind eye to fornication. I mean, if you look at this list, Paul says things like greed, things like gossip, disobedience to parents. That ranks up there with this uh, idea of sexual sin. So we really, in our churches, if you went around and, and talked to other ministers, you would find the same is true everywhere. This is not just my experience. But churches will turn a blind eye to people that are, quote-unquote, shacking up, heterosexual relationships where they're not married and they're living together. But when someone comes to us and they have same-sex attraction, we act like they've got a third head or something. We treat them really different. So we should repent of that because I think a lot of what's driven us is bigotry and not biblical scholarship. But let's get back to what Paul says and let's be honest about the biblical text because out there, there's like an overreaction. There's an overreaction to the bigotry of Christians over the years. And now this overreaction comes in the form of liberal scholarship where liberal scholarship says, okay, the homosexuality in the Bible is not the same as what we have today. It's exploitative. It's man-boy relationships. It's slave-owner relationships where an older or more powerful man is exploiting a younger or less powerful man, and it's not consensual. And Paul really blows this up. Now, before I get back to the text, I just want to remind you, if you go back and look at ancient culture, same-sex attraction not exploitative type relationships, but real same-sex attraction was known to ancient people. Uh, you can go to Aristophanes' speech in Plato's Symposium, and he talks about how Zeus split the original human beings in half, creating both heterosexual and homosexual humans, each of which were seeking to be reunited to their lost halves, heterosexual seeking the opposite sex, and homosexuals the same sex. So there's, even in their creation narratives, they understood there was same-sex attraction. So that is a lie that people are perpetrating, saying that the Bible or the world of the Bible knows nothing of consensual homosexual relationships. That's just not true. And Paul here really kind of blows that up. If you go back and, and listen to what he says about uh, these relationships in verse 27, he says, And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Now that's consensual. This is not exploitative that Paul is talking about. So Paul's not even talking about that. 
in Romans. He is talking about true same-sex consensual attraction between men. And he's just saying that's not part of God's plan. It's not part of God's creative order. And this goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes back to Genesis 1. You see that there are pairs of, of different things that are complementary, that are made to work together, like heaven and earth, the sea and the land, God and humanity. And it's part of God's brilliance. And this is coming from N.T. Rott. But N.T. Rott points out that it's part of God's brilliance that the creation, this diversity in creation, that unlock things are made to unite and create dynamic wholes, which generate more and more life and beauty through those relationships. So as N.T. Wright points out, the creation of uniting of male and female at the end of Genesis 2 is the climax of all that. That means that male and female have unique, non-interchangeable glories and roles. They each see and do things that the other cannot. Sex was created by God to be a way to mingle these strengths and glories within a lifelong covenant of marriage. Marriage is the most intense it's not the only place, mind you, but the most intense place where this reunion of male and female takes place in human life. Male and female reshape, learn from, and work together. So one of the great ironies of our time, if you think about it, of these late modern times, when we celebrate diversity in so many other cultural sectors, we have a truncated, or we've truncated, or have a truncated view of the ultimate unity and diversity, and that is an intergender marriage. So I just find that fascinating, but the point in all this is we're going through this reading. Romans is so timely for us because our culture is struggling with the same stuff. Now, what I want to remind you of as Christians, you probably know people that are dealing with same-sex attraction. They're dealing with this and they are struggling. And in some way, we need to show them the love of Christ and at the same time call them to repentance. And that is not easy. That's not an easy path to walk. But I will tell you what will not work is bigotry and mistreatment of these people. It's not going to work. It's not going to help them at all. So you have to stand on the truth of God's word that God's word does say uh, that this is outside of God's will, just as fornication is outside of God's will, just as slander, just as being greedy, gossiping. These are all outside of God's will and his plan for us. So standing on the truth of God's word and what God really wants for us, but also loving people, and trying to help them through these issues, that, that's the path we have to walk as Christians. So I know I've spent a lot of time talking about that on this one particular podcast, but I just thought this is so timely. We don't talk enough about this. We shy away from it. It's time to have an honest conversation about what the Bible does teach. Let's don't overreact and go in the opposite direction of progressivism and try to throw out biblical truth to in some way make up for past sins. And let's don't go the path of bigotry and hatred either. Neither, neither path is the right path. The correct path is putting the gospel at the center of our life and holding true to scripture and helping people become more like Jesus. That, that's really what we got to do as Christians. So I know this is a hard-hitting podcast. I hope I haven't run everybody off. I hope you come back next week. This Sunday at Westgate, we're preaching a sermon on Romans 8. I'm preaching to that entire chapter in a seven-week series. So if you want to tune in and talk about uh, or listen to that sermon, we're going to talk about going from being condemned to being free in Christ and what that means. Uh, but I hope to see you back on Monday. We're going to pick up with our psalm. I believe we're doing Psalm 30 on Monday. So if you want to read ahead, that'll be great. We're going to be in Romans chapter 2 the whole week next week. God bless, and I hope you have a great weekend.